Welcome to Your Story Matters, the show where we share inspiring stories from all around the world. After you've listened to this one, why don't you tell us yours? Share your story at yourstorymatters.net. But first, here's your host, speaker and writer, Angela Schaefers. I have the pleasure today of talking with Pam Masters, who is the Development Director at Community Opportunities, Inc., in Texas, and she's going to share a bit about the organization. She is part of our series today, Creating Change, and those are all about nonprofits throughout the world that are doing something to make a difference in their communities, sometimes spreading outside of their communities to the world, and we'll let her explain how they do that at their organization. Welcome, Pam, to the show. Thank you very much, Angela. I'm so appreciative of the opportunity. We're glad to have you here. I, I really love your organization. I know some about it because of you and I talking, and I've looked up some of the information on the web, of course. But before we talk about the organization, let's talk a little bit about you. Okay. How did you find yourself getting involved with this organization? And I know you do a lot with your community, which I love. You're always promoting interesting things that are going on and fundraisers and getting people together to volunteer and that's so important for all of us to do in our own space, in our own communities. Talk to the listeners, if you will, a little bit about how this all came about for you. What prompted you to pursue these passions in your life? Um, well, actually, um, if you go back about a long time ago, <laughs> I don't know exactly how many years, probably 15 or 16 years ago, we had um, a family tragedy. We had a house burn mm. to the ground. We lost everything that we had. And within hours, the community we lived in, which is not where I live now, but it's very similar size and, and, and people and that kind of thing, started showing up with gifts and wow. condolences and clothes. And within three to five days, we had over $5,000 in the bank. We had a home that was donated to us for 30 days or 60 days or whatever it was mm-hmm. so we could get the insurance taken care of. It was seven days before Christmas. Uh, on the second or third day, when we were actually busy moving into the rental home that was donated to us, a man pulled up in a pickup truck with a decorated Christmas tree standing in the back and a bed full of presents. And he said, well, I don't know what kind of Christmas y'all are going to have, but I guess it's going to be a surprise Christmas. I mean, it was just the community came together and rallied around this tragedy mm-hmm. to where it didn't even feel like a tragedy. It just felt like a loss. Right. Um, and then our life started over. Mm-hmm. So through that, I was able to meet um, people that worked for the Salvation Army and, and different organizations. And I'd always kind of been a donor to a couple of things. I, I have a love for animals, and so I donated to the local animal SPCA or whatever. And then I also was a donator to Habitat for Humanity because mm-hmm. at one point in our marriage in our early life, we had actually been homeless. So those two things kind of um, led to me to figure out, well, what is this? thing called nonprofit. Why is it that if a tragedy happens, and I didn't know that that's the way people showed up to help. I mean, Mm -hmm. there'd always been kind things happened at church or whatever, but this was the first outpouring of people that I didn't even know. And it was literally like a parade of gifts. It Mm -hmm. just didn't stop for days. And so that kind of led for me um, to to get a job with a nonprofit, um, Mm -hmm. which was a child development center. And then when we relocated back to Texas, I worked in traditional jobs and then got the opportunity to go to work for a company called Meals on Wheels, a nonprofit 
that delivers meals to homebound and shut-ins. And it, it was actually based in Johnson County and helped in two counties. And then through that opportunity, I met a lady that worked for this little agency that helped people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, which was Community Opportunities, Inc. Mm-hmm. And she started telling me, you should come meet our folks, you should do this, you should do that. And, and then the opportunity presented itself to actually work on one of their fundraising events, which is a big prom that they do every year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And back then it wasn't a big prom, it was actually the first year. And so in 2005 I volunteered um, at this event, met most of the folks that they helped and then some of the other local agencies around, and just literally and <laughs> crazily just fell in love served. Later that year, I was let go from Meals on Wheels, and then shortly, probably three or four days after, my friend called and said, hey, I heard, and so that started a little dance um, <laughs> of me taking a job that didn't exist. There was not a development person at the agency, and so long story long, <laughs> and they offered me a job in November, and I took it November 21st, and I've been here ever since, and that was in 2005. Wow. Um, and basically, there wasn't a, like I said, their, their way of fundraising then was cookie dough sales and garage sales and things like that. And so we've come a long way. Mm-hmm. We actually have four full-fledged fundraisers that we do every year, um, including the prom, which has grown from the 160 people that we had the first year to over 400 every year now. Wow. And we have them coming from all over to dance and party and, and have a great night. That's fun. awesome. And, and, you know, and, and that's the main thing. that our, We are community-based. We believe that people, no matter their ability, um, should be able to live and thrive in the community of their choice. And so we do everything that we can to make that possible and and make it good. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. You know, I love that you took your story and your tragedy and turned it into something way bigger in creating ripple (laughs) effects of giving and serving. And it's not just what you're doing for the people, but a lot of it is you setting the example. And that's so critical today for people to realize that they may not change the world, but they can create change in their own community, in their own neighborhood, etc. And they are definitely helping others to see that this is a good thing, that you can do this, that you can do your part, however big or small. And that's right. so, so important for our country, well, for the world, not just our country, to really come together and try and do something. Because collectively, I believe, when we all do a little something, it creates big change. Right. I think you're right. And and I I know that it it really sounds like I'm very philanthropic and helpful and everything, but honest, it's just, it makes me feel good. I mean, mm-hmm. you can get a paycheck and you can do anything right. um, that you want to, but if I'm ever having a bad day, my favorite thing to do is to work into the, walk into the workshop where the majority of our clients are um, during the day, either doing lessons or doing some kind of contract work that we're working with a company on. They think that a lot of the fun stuff that happens that I go out and get from other people in the community is me. They think it's me, and it's really not. There's a team of volunteers that meet every month and help plan things. There's other staff people that find things. But because I'm the one that's always out in the public and my picture's in the paper and that kind of thing, they think it's me. Mm-hmm. And so if I'm ever having a bad day, I just walk into the workshop, and uh, it's like rock star status. It's mm-hmm. just, they appreciate everything that's that neat. you do. It is. It's it's a really neat thing. And it's kind of a selfish thing because it's a payoff. I, you know, I don't make a lot of money at what I do, but I do the entertainment value and the fun and, and the love is just priceless. That's awesome. Awesome. Love to hear that. So tell us a little bit about Community Opportunities, Inc. How did they start? Why did they start? And give us some of their story. 
Well, um, it originally started with another agency. We have a, a sister company that, that is not a not-for-profit, but it's an agency that was set up by three original partners to provide services, housing and, and case management for, pre- for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities in Johnson County. And there were no other services like ours at the time. And it, originally, the, the three partners uh, purchased a home, started the process for actually becoming private providers for services in the state of Texas. And then the city where they had picked the home to be in filed a petition to stop it. Mm-hmm. And their their reasoning was all off-base of what, what the agency was actually going to do, but there was a fear that people thought having this home that looked just like any other home in the neighborhood there was going to create all kinds of problems for them. Mm-hmm. So the petition was filed, the the company was stalled until one of the um, three partners actually gave up their home in a neighboring town that didn't have a problem with the group home being there. And then that led to a, a state Supreme Court fight and then all the way to the United States Supreme Court where the agency actually won against the city. And that is a precedent-setting case that's cited all over the United States. It says you cannot discriminate against somebody just because they have a disability. They should be able to live, even if it's with support with a company or a family member or whatever, they should be able to live in the community of their choice. And we're very proud of that start. Um, And so that's about 30 years ago. That's awesome. (laughs) And then, and, and that other company is Community Living Concepts. Um, and then in 2005, I'm sorry, 1995, the MHMR authority that was here had been hit by a really serious budget cut. And they had been providing what we call day have or um, work skills training services really close to where our central office in Keene, Texas was. Mm-hmm. And so they had decided that, that because of the MHMR funding cut that they were going to stop services. And the original three partners were now down to two. One of the partners had sold out and and gone to another community and started another like agency there. So the two ladies that were left, Jan Hanna and Bobby Northrup, said, you know what, we can just pick up the pieces and we can do what MHMR was doing for our clients ourselves. Through the process of trying to figure out exactly what they needed to do, they decided to form it as a nonprofit because the state funding that provides services for the clients to do work skills training in DAHAB is kind of limited, and you can't do just anything you want to. You can't throw a prom or help them go to Special Olympics or anything like that. So mm-hmm. they formed it as a 501c3 nonprofit um, and received their status October 31st, 1997, and that began the process of actually trying to find ways to create more opportunities for the folks, not just the things that the state funding would pay for. Mm-hmm. Then that led to where we are today. Right, and I know you're a huge part of more opportunities and building those opportunities and finding the funds for that. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but before we talk about that, what is the ideal client then for your organization? Well, it's going to have to be somebody with an MR diagnosis. They're going to have to have been receiving either services through the state through other some kind of program. Can you explain to the listeners what an MR diagnosis is? MR is mental retardation, and it is a, it is a medical diagnosis. Now, the technical term or the the state-recommended term for folks now is intellectual and developmental disabilities. And we use that, you know, because our word needs to go away. But the the technical medical diagnosis is mental retardation. 
And so most of the folks that come up through public education will have had special education. They'll also have received either some kind of services through disability or um, depending on what community they live in and what state they live in, the terminology may be a little bit different. But it basically is coming through disability services. And they receive some kind of funding, even if they're age 22, um, usually the school system by then has said that's all the services that we can provide, especially in the state of Texas, that's the age. And they age out of the special education program. And then the families are left to kind of find out what can go next because Mm -hmm. most clients cannot live on their own. Most of our people that we provide services for are not um, at a level, skill level or intellectual level that they can um, go out and find just any job and that kind of thing. So we are supports not only for the people, but also the families that we serve so that they don't just have a loved one sitting at home watching TV or that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We offer education. We offer peer involvement, a lot of fun, a lot of fun uh, sports, you know, through Special Olympics and other things like that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, so does anyone in the program also have physical disabilities? Many of our clients will probably have even more diagnosis than just the MR. There's some have mental health issues on top of that, and then we also work with therapists and different kinds of therapies to help them with that. It, we take each client where they are and, um, and then try to help them move forward. Okay. So based on that, what happens then when a client comes to your door? What, what's the process for them? They'll do kind of a um, a tour and an interview process, and then um, the case managers, whether they're living in the group homes or going to be living in the group homes or just receiving day have services, will kind of do a discovery on exactly what services they qualify for. And if they're not receiving enough and that they already have a case, they'll work on making sure that their case managers or, or family are aware of the different kinds of services they can receive. And then it's just a case-by-case basis on Um, how do we help them move forward, whether it's they need help counting money or learning how to read or wherever they are, we take them and try to move them forward in whatever skills and abilities that they can do. That makes sense. Do you offer them opportunities to work at your place or their job opportunities there or are you just coordinating getting them work in the community? It's actually both. Since the downturn in the economy in, in 2008, we've had a lot of trouble getting contract work in, but that's always been our main goal because we have a sheltered workshop here where there's quality controlled staff that help make sure that the jobs that they're doing, whether it's an assembly work or some kind of packaging or that kind of thing, they they handle the quality control so that the clients can get paid. We're also certified by the Department of Labor so that we can do piece rate pay. Basically, there's a a time study done on on what it would uh, take time-wise for anybody to complete um, say, putting together a window component, a latch or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that time study then dictates how much time and how much pay a person should get for doing that. Mm -hmm. So a client that works slower and has to have more assistance hand-on-hand or somebody just reminding them to stay on task can still get paid for the amount of work that they complete successfully where they couldn't go out and get a job um, at minimum wage because nobody would pay them to work that slowly. Right. Right. And um, we're really excited. We actually just picked up two new contracts where we'll be doing a packaging and shipping for a jelly company and then also some sizing and things for a really neat product called Tiffy Sleeves. We're excited about doing some packaging and stuff for her. So we're always looking to partner with companies, especially growing companies, small cottage industries companies, that it's hard for them to hire 30 people Mm -hmm. to help with packaging or shipping or something like that. We can actually do it here well 
and it's a it's a win win. They don't have to incur hiring, training, unemployment, and all those other things that are charged because you hire a new employee. Right. We can help them build their business while they wait to grow enough to actually hire their own staff. And we hope they they always use us. <laughs> that we won't that they won't outgrow us. And we have a few contracts that we've had throughout the years that we've kept, and the clients really love to do those. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome because that's a win-win for everybody. Sure, For the yeah. community, for businesses, small Absolutely. businesses, for the consumers because that helps keep the price down. So I love that whole concept, and I hope that grows more and more over time. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and it goes back to uh, the basis of, of our whole philosophy is that every person deserves to live and thrive in the community of their choice. And so part of what we do, I know you probably do, and I know I do, when I meet somebody new or I have the opportunity to talk to somebody, part of what I talk about is who I am through what I do. Mm-hmm. And so every person, regardless of their ability, needs to be able to have something that, that's part of who they are. This is what I do for work. Right. And, and many of the clients just say, I work at the workshop, but we try to teach them that they're actually working for these different companies. Mm-hmm. And that just when you know, uh, their paychecks may not be huge, but there's nothing better than payday. That's right. Very, <laughs> very empowering for anyone. Absolutely. Really and truly. So besides work, do you offer classes as far as self-care skills, developmental skills as far as living on their own at some point or living more independently, that type of thing. And can you share about those opportunities? Well, we actually have two academic trainers that work for the other company, but they're housed here. And so the clients have a training schedule that they go through every week. And there's some part of their individual plan of progress that they're working on at all times, whether we have a computer lab. So if if their families don't live real close and they want to be able to have daily contact, we work with them on learning how to use the email. Or if they're diabetic and they need to to work on cooking, we can help them research um, diabetic recipes or whatever it is where they're at we we kind of move from there we there's kind of an interview process not not really like they're coming in new but annually there's a process where they meet with their case manager their families and other people and we basically ask them what do you want what do you want to learn what's a goal for you and although a lot of times they never get to like there was one client that we had at one time that his goal was to be a police officer and we knew we were never going to get him to that because his abilities just wouldn't allow it. Mm-hmm. But there were still opportunities where we could make sure that he had interaction with police officers, he could visit police stations, he could learn about what it takes to be a police officer. Mm-hmm. And we actually have a class that we facilitate for many different local police departments through their crisis intervention training or their new cadet training, mm-hmm. where we take a panel of our clients up and, and um, it actually came out of a, a whole other situation where there was one of the parents here who worked in Dallas at the time, and there was an incident with a young man that had intellectual developmental disabilities, and he had an interaction with the police officers who didn't understand what his disability was, right. and it didn't go well. It was really a bad situation for Dallas and for the officers and for the family. And, mm-hmm. and so she wrote a whole curriculum on how to help not just officers, but we use it with the officer training on how to understand the different aspects of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. And then the afternoon part of that training is we actually bring up a panel of the clients and they get one-on-one interaction. I mean, it's so much fun. Um, yeah. I get the neatest phone calls from police officers later on. You know, I finally understand, or that was the most amazing class I've ever been through, or something right, like that. Right, right. Because and they, I, are, they are neat and amazing people. And, so, and that's just one incident where we've taken 
something out in the community and made it good for our clients because we're making sure that, or not making sure, but we're doing the best we can to make to make it possible that maybe an officer that has a, an opportunity to support or help a client can kind of understand exactly where they are and what's what might be happening instead of thinking that this person is not listening to them or not responding to their request and that kind of thing. And so we do that two or three times a month. We have different opportunities. So every client, regardless of of what their abilities are or what their goals are, we try to build that bridge from one to the other and making sure that we create the opportunities that help them get there. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that's so important, and I'd love to see even more of that across the country. We can try to get in front of and, and make people aware that there's always a way to to get them to comply to what needs to happen. And usually it's not ever necessary to use force. It's just necessary to use patience and and talk slower and and that kind of thing. And that way we respect everybody's rights, but Mm -hmm. still honor the fact that they need a little more help. Right, right. And I think patience is key. And that's what I love about your organization is that not only are you doing so much with the client themselves and the families, but you're really teaching the community and others what it looks like to deal with these types of disabilities and to understand these types of people that aren't necessarily like you and I, but are special, are important, have rights. It's critical to even have conversations about it, and that's part of why we're so happy to have you on the show today to share with our listeners about yet another organization that's doing great work in the community and serving so many people. And again, like I said, creating huge ripple effects So let's talk a little bit about the fun stuff. I know you guys do a lot of fun stuff. And tell the listeners some of those things and how that kind of fits in with the program. Because I've heard and been to and been a part of many organizations that do great work. They do classes. They do workshops. They do therapy. But I haven't heard of any so much like yours that really have a lot of fun activities and make a huge prom every year and do all this stuff. And I think that's awesome. Because, again, that's so needed, and these people, just like any other, any other person, deserve to have fun, deserve to experience new things that they probably never experienced before. So tell us about some of that and what you all do to have so much fun. Well, the way I got here, of course, was the prom that we do every year. It's called Opportunities Prom, and we bring together a group of uh, volunteers, and then we also rely on community folks. Benny Keith, which is the, a local distributor for food and alcohol in our area, supports us by donating the food for the event. Um, we invite not only all of our clients, but any of the clients in local agencies. And um, We actually had a group one time come all the way from San Antonio, and if you're not familiar where our area is, that's like six hours away. And they brought 60 folks. And, and then we had another agency that's not too far from us that actually took the idea of a prom, and now they have their own every month. And so, I mean, every year. So that's that's kind of one of our favorite things. It's a night. It actually started, there was a mom who was a volunteer here and had a daughter that came. And, and one of the comments that she had made at one of the parent meetings was, is that her daughter was not invited to her high school prom. And she'd never been to one. And Mm so a couple of the clients had the opportunity to go to another agency in another city to attend their prom. And then that's how it got started here. It is, I think, the client's favorite night of the year. (laughs) Because as soon as one year is over, they're already asking me, are we going to do it again next year? Are we going to, you know, get to ride in the carriages? We have two carriages that come up and do a carriage ride towards the end of the event. Nice. Dancing and 
a, a fantastic theme every year. And, th- and this next year, I actually get to announce today to everybody that we've picked a theme for the 2014 prom, which is Hollywood. <laughs> and we have um, a group of ladies that are part of Miss Senior Texas that are coming, and part of their talent is actually impersonating. There'll be a Marilyn Monroe and a Ella Fitzgerald and all these iconic ladies being a part of our event. So I, I think for me, not only because it's the way I got here, um, but it also is such a great outreach. We always have so many fantastic volunteers and people that get to know our folks, at least for a few hours that night. I think my favorite is the prom. But we also uh, facilitate their participating in Special Olympics. We do four or five it grows and changes as the clients change, but four or five um, different competitions every year. We have um, some ladies that participate in equestrian. Uh, we have bowling, golf, bocce ball, which is kind of a cross between croquet and yard bowling. <laughs> it's a really neat sport. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then we have some folks that do um, track and field uh, was added this year. And then we have... Just on the cusp of actually creating a basketball team, we have four members <laughs> and a coach. And so we're looking for somebody that wants to play basketball. And then we also do educational trips. Um, today, I think they're actually going to one of the local museums. Mm-hmm. And even though they're going to see what a museum is, they'll also be spending part of the time actually talking to some of the staff at the museum about what it takes to work at a museum. And so Great. there's always an educational aspect of of any of the visits that they do. In the summertime, we do the regular kind of fun things. There's a swimming trip every week. There's bowling just for fun. We also participate in a movie. The local theater here does a dollar movie day for us so that all the clients can go see a really cool movie once a week. And that's a summer program because there's a lot of um, different things we can't do um, during the summer educational mm-hmm. um, wise. It sounds like a lot, a lot of fun and, and a lot of great education too. Yeah. Well, everything is a learning opportunity. It's, you know, it's even though you wouldn't think necessarily that um, going to a museum could be educational for our clients. There's always an opportunity for them to learn about work and about, you know, what it takes to do a job. And mm-hmm. and then all of our fundraisers, except for the prom, they don't really work at the prom because it's all about them. But the other fundraisers, like um, we have a, a car and motorcycle show that happens every year, and they actually do the judging and they hand out the prizes and they do that kind of thing. It's a fundraiser for us. Um, but we don't do anything unless we actually involve them in the process of doing it some, to whatever their ability is. And then we have a boo run, which is celebrates our um, anniversary day, October 31st. Um, it's a Halloween-based run with a lot of costumes and fun. And they work the water stations. They hand out the prizes. They help with registration. They help with the setup of the event. And they come as volunteers, even though the money goes back to them. They participate because they want to. There are a few of them at Fest. We have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. <laughs> on the day of the run. But they do come and enjoy that, and, and that's another big deal. Very nice. That's awesome. It sounds like there's so many great things going on. We could talk forever about it. I know. <laughs> you didn't see the talk, over talk because I, I'm just so excited about it. I can tell. Do. And I'm, it, it, that's awesome. I think that's so neat that you're so passionate about this and really and truly engaged in your work and engaged in your community. So, what is the next big upcoming fundraiser? I know you have something big coming up. Well, we actually got invited to participate and got accepted in um, a thing in North Texas called North Texas Giving Day. It's actually ran by two organizations, Donor Bridge, which is a, a funding facilitator. They, they actually house a lot of the information for uh, nonprofits. 
so to make it easier to apply for grants, and they, they help facilitate a lot of that, and Communities Foundation of Dallas. They came together, I think this is the third or fourth year that they've actually done a North Texas Giving Day. They invite all the local nonprofits in, I think it's 11 different counties, to apply to be a part of it. They also have to be a, a member of the Donor Bridge and Communities Foundation. And what they do is they do a media blitz, and they facilitate everybody getting getting headed in the right direction, and then they have a website that people can go on. And one of their advertisements is actually said, you don't even really have to get out of bed. <laughs> you know, get it just a little to give. Um, That's and awesome. Every, every $25 donation gets multiplied to some degree, and that kind of depends on how many donations come in. It was $34 million came in last year, and then there's $1.5 million that the agency actually does fundraising all year long to offer prizes and a, a multiplier. So wow. if you make a $25 donation, it's going to be more than $25 that goes to the agency. Right. And then they have some really fun, different kind of prizes that the agencies can win. This year, there's the, the Community Foundation was formed in 1929, I think is what it is. So the 1929th donation actually gets a $10,000 prize. And wow. then 2013, 2013th donation gets a $10,000 prize. And so it's just this really neat way that they've taken money, fun, funds from different companies that want to support the nonprofits, and they're leveraging it so people will actually find out about these nonprofits and then also um, feel compelled to, to donate and make a good day for everybody. Mm-hmm. I love it. What is the date of this event and how September do people... September 19th. September 19th. And how yep. do people donate to um, the cause? Well, they can they can tap donorbridge.org. There'll actually be links where you can go and pick any of the agencies that you want to support. There's hundreds um, in this area that are actually involved. And I know that there's a donor day in another state, but donorbridge.org, just make sure you're putting in Dallas, Texas, in there somewhere when you're doing the search. They can also go and find us on Facebook, and we'll have the links posted all day long on September 19th on how they can get to our agency or actually just get to Donorbridge to donate to any of their choice. Let's give the audience, then, a link directly to your organization so on the 19th they can go to that. Okay, the best way that you're going to be able to find that link is going to be on our Facebook. The link for finding us on Facebook is www.facebook.com forward slash friends of COI. We actually have another website, and it's just www. and then it's communityopportunitiesinc.org. Great, so people can learn more about your organization. Sure. Find out if there's other ways they can help. I know you guys are always looking for volunteers, so it's not just about the money. Is that right? No, no. We love making new friends and getting people to come and meet our folks and not just donate, but just be a part of their lives and offer them opportunities for more friendship and and things in their community. Wonderful, wonderful. Pam, thank you so much for sharing a bit about how how you got involved with your story, how that all evolved for you. And for sharing about Community Opportunities, Inc. I'm so excited about the event on September 19th. I know that many, many organizations are going to benefit from the donations that come in from around the world. As you said, we hope that everyone will check you guys out. Right. (laughs) At facebook.com slash friends of COI for the link so that they can donate to you on the 19th. And certainly check with you and follow up on things that are going on in the community if you're in the area 
of Texas. We're in north central Texas. We are actually just 28 miles south of Fort Worth. So if you're used to the DFW hub, there's the east wing and the west wing, and we're in the west, and we're in Johnson County. Wonderful. And so for those of you that are in the area, I encourage you to get involved to do something that would really not just fill your heart, but make a difference in someone else's life. And check out Community Opportunities, Inc. They're doing great, great things for the community. And definitely connect with Pam. She has all the 411 on events and networking stuff and volunteer opportunities. And really, we can all do something to create change and make this world a better place. And the best place to start is right where we're at. Absolutely. Thank you so much for this opportunity, and I look forward to your next visit to Texas so we can catch up again. (laughs) Thank you, Pam.